Welcome to the Marion Message presented by the Mosaic of Marion podcast. Each week we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marion Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. As I was preparing this message um, and actually in the middle of preaching it this morning, the words of Paul uh, came to me in dealing with this passage. And um, in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 1, in verse 27, Paul wrote to this church, he said, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. So as we come to this creation today of this people called the Jewish people, God shows the foolish. And here's why I say that. Now, let me take a time out here. In all of his godness, the Jewish race had already been created. In God's mind, Jesus had already come as if he'd been born, and it was already done. Because Jesus and God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit live outside the economy of our time. But from man's perspective, in the humanity of Jesus, there had to be a beginning point of the Jewish people. And so, instead of going to a, a religious person of the day, or one that even like Enoch or Noah that had this tremendous faith, God reaches into this place called Ur of the Chaldeans, and grabs hold to a man who was a, probably a moon-worshipping pagan, appears to him, calls him on this journey of some thousands of miles to a place he didn't tell him, to do a work he never exposed him to, to create a people he never thought he would. And yet it's that very one who... If you were to speak the name of Moses to almost any quote-unquote religion, they hold him in high esteem. The highest has to be he's called a friend of God, though. And so that's the one that we're here to talk about today. And you may say, well, what does this have to do with Christmas and this whole life in 7K? It has everything to do with Jesus and the birth of him because it had to have a beginning in his humanity. Let's stand at the reading of God's Word. Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, just an FYI so you don't think I'm crazy and I'm talking about two different people. If I I roll over in this sermon and call him Abraham, it's the same guy. In Genesis 12, his name hadn't been changed, so I may just slip and call him Abraham or Abram throughout this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Father, move in our hearts and our minds today, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I want to just give you three words today and deal with them fairly quickly if I can. Probably not, but I'll try. 
as we, I want to literally walk through this text and give you what I really pull out of it. And the first one is this. In everything you and I do, we should have a revelation from the Lord. Notice what happened here in the creation of this people. The Lord said to Abram. So what would happen in your life if every day you had a word from the Lord? If you let a word from the Lord really move in your life and and show you how to live life. I think too often today we think, well, God's not worried about the small things in my life. He's more worried about the, the big decisions, like where will I spend eternity? Yes, he is. But I believe he's also worried about how you act while you're on this side of eternity. I believe he cares about where you go to college. I believe he cares about what profession that you are in. I believe he cares about how you act, how you talk, how you live at your own home and house. I think he wants to be involved, and this is where we miss it, in every aspect of your life, and yet so often we keep him away from that. But for you to live your life in the way that God intends it, God has to speak. So he speaks to to Abram here, and he tells him, he says to to go. And and the word go there, it's in the imperative, which was a command. In other words, he was saying, Abram, in a sense, you don't have a choice. You have to do this. If you're going to follow me, I'm not giving you a suggestion. I'm not giving you a possibility. I'm telling you, Abram, if listen to this. This is important. If you're going to follow me, you got to go. I wonder how many of us hear the word of God that way today. If you're going to follow me, you have to live as I call you to live. There's got to be, and I'm going to deal with this in point two, there should be and has to be a change. You cannot follow God and never change your lifestyle. It doesn't work that way. The the word there, go, that's in the imperative means to, to go, to walk, to come, to depart, to proceed. And I think all of those are involved in the, the call of, of Abram and the way that he left this Ur of the Chaldees. And then when he went to Haran and his call there, every one of those words could be applicable to this. We find in two other places in Joshua 24, 2 and 3, in Acts chapter 7, I'm, for lack of time, I'm going to just let you guys read those. What we have there in those two is a, a recounting of the fact that Abram was called of the Lord. You want to know how you can be sure in your walk when you are standing all alone and you're standing against the majority and you're standing alone. You want to know how you can live the life God calls you to? To make sure you're called. When you have a true revelation from Jesus, when you have a true moving in your heart from Jesus, and you have a true pulling and a true change in your life, you won't have a problem standing for what God stands for. But when you don't have that call, when you have a little bit of emotionalism and not so much a revelation and a call, you can be swayed easily. I don't have to change this lifestyle because not real sure that I was ever called. I don't have to change this because of this. But friends, when you get a call, you can be rock absolutely sure that you're standing for the one who called you. 
I thought about some others who got a word from the Lord. I'm going to give you these passages. We, we, we know that, in, that David got the call in 1 Samuel 16, 12, when Samuel went there to anoint the next king because Saul, the, it had been taken, the kingdom had been taken from him. And, and so, remember, Samuel gets there, and he's like, this big strapping guy comes. It's one of Jesse's boys, and God says, that's not him. That's not him. And he finally says, is there any others? And then they're like, they almost, it's almost a mocking tone. Well, there's one out there tending the sheep. And as soon as Abram, I mean, soon as um, Samuel saw him, God said, that's the one. See, David didn't choose for himself to be the next king. God called him and anointed him. How about Jeremiah chapter 1? Jeremiah did not stand up. This is a thing today that people want to call themselves, well, I'm an apostle or I'm a prophet. Really? I think that's the job for God to call you to that. You don't get to name yourself that. Jeremiah, if you read Jeremiah chapter 1, the Bible says, before you were born, I knew you. And I called you. Matter of fact, the Bible says, I ordained you to be a prophet. There in Mark chapter 1, verse 17, even the disciples, they were not, they didn't just say, hey, I'm going to follow you and you're going to make me a disciple. No, Jesus said what? Come, follow me. And here's the words. We're going to see them in a little bit too. We read them, but we're going to look at them a little closer. And I will make you fishers of men. The work of God is never a creation of our own self. The work of God is always a creation of him through us. He makes us to be this way. And then you think about, I do want you to turn to this one, Galatians chapter 1, because this one is so powerful for us today. Galatians chapter 1, I want you to hear what Paul said. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15, listen to these words. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, there's the foreknowledge of God, and who called me, I love this, by his grace. Did Paul deserve to be called? No. Do you deserve to be called? No. Does Hank deserve to be called? No. It is by his grace we are all called. But then I want you to back up. Just in case you want to make, I want you to make sure you know what Paul gave us, wasn't what somebody said. Verse 11 of chapter 1. For I would have, would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through, here's the same word, a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I only speak, that's what I was told by God, that which what was revealed to me. So, so we have this, so you may be sitting there going, well, preacher, man, what's, what, what's up, man? How, do, how does that affect us today? Uh, you know, God's not appearing to us like that, and he's not just coming in these ways. So how do we know today? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here you go. Number one, you find it through his word. Psalm 119, um, verse 105 says, your word shall be a light unto my path and a, a lamp to my path and a light unto my way. In other words, the word is to guide you. I told him this morning, we live in a really biblical, illiterate age. I'm talking among church folk. There was a word that I wanted to use this morning. It started with an S. Tupid was the last part of it. That's the type of Bible knowledge we have today. 
We don't spend any time in God's Word. Because we think we're smart enough to know it. Friends, you never know enough. Preacher, have you read the Bible through? Yes. What you going to do? Preacher, what you going to do when you finish reading it through this time? I'm going to start over. And what you going to do when you, I'm going to start over. Matter of fact, I'm going to challenge you. You don't know this yet uh, unless you've seen the calendar. I'm going to challenge you with me through the month of January to read the entire New Testament in 31 days. Really, I'm going to challenge you for 30 days, but I'm going to give you one extra one in case you miss one day. The entire New Testament in 30 days. And then we'll go from there. So number one, that's, and then you have 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 16 and 17. We know that. But I love the end of verse 17. So that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Not only that, you have the through circumstances. I could take you to Acts chapter 4, and I think verse 26 and 27, where it talks about the city was in, in need of these things, and Paul was, I mean, it was happening that they would be there in James chapter 1, where it says that, consider it all joy when you face various trials and tribulations, knowing that it is making you more like Jesus. You ever seen, see, we get so mad about circumstances, instead of stepping back going, well, what's God showing me in this? Now, you got to be careful in that because that leads to the third one. you got to have discernment. I think I have it as four, but I wanted it as three. got to be able to discern the times and discern what God's doing and how God's moving and to see God at work so that you'll understand when to step and when not to step. And then through peace. And a peace that's not fear. And if you're afraid to take a step, then I would be really careful about not taking that step. It is when you can feel a peace about making a move that God has spoken to you. There's no quivering in your liver or nothing like that. You just feel a peace to move because the Holy Spirit has got you there. God desires to talk to you. Don't, don't miss that. God desires to talk to you. But I swear too often we're like the guy or girl that you're talking to and they get mad and don't want to hear what you're saying because you're speaking truth and they stick their fingers in their ears and they go, la, 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 la. I think often we do that to God. And then we wonder, why can't I get a word from the Lord? Revelation. The Lord said to Abram. This is where it gets a little controversial, and you probably will get upset at me, some of you. I'm going to say that up front. Second word is separation. Notice what he says. And the Lord said, go from your country, from your kindred, and from your father's house. You get what he just told Abram? I want you to get away from everything that you know, your country, your family, your extended family, and your close family. I want you away from them. Now, some of us will be going, wait a minute. Why would he do? I, I can't, I, I'm not willing to give up my, and this, at this point, I believe people would say, nope, I'm out. I'm not walking away from my family. What if God tells you to? 
You may, you may say, well, why would he tell them to do this? Do you not recall that they, in that area of the, of the world, that they were moon-worshiping pagans? So really, you want to stay in that environment? That's where you want to be? So many of us live that way today. We don't like this whole thought of separation, like we've got to change our life. We want to keep hanging out with the same friends. We want to keep doing this and keep doing that. No, we have to change. I know some teenagers, you won't like it, and a lot of adults, you keep hanging out with the lost, you're going to start acting like the lost. We say, well, why should I do all this, and why do I need to change? Because God says, I want you to be holy. I believe I read it in Leviticus, and I believe I read it again in Hebrews, where the author, who is ultimately the Holy Spirit and God the Father, because all scriptures God breathed, I'm pretty sure he says, be ye holy, for I am holy. He does not say, be ye happy, so you'll feel good. He doesn't say, be ye happy, so that you'll think everything's a little bluebird. No, he says, be holy, holy. I read a statistic the other day that holiness throughout churches and through pastors and through the society is down 300% the usage of that word. You know why? Because we live in a society that don't want to talk about holiness. We want to live in a society of feel good. I want to be happy, Jay. I think I deserve to be happy. You don't, nobody deserves happiness. But when you get holy, you'll find happiness in the midst of it. You try to find happiness some other way outside of holiness, hear this old preacher that you may make fun of. You try to find happiness outside of holiness, and you'll find nothing but hell. Nothing. What, how will it affect you if you keep hanging out? Let me tell you this. Four things. This is going to affect you negatively. You know I just can't stand being around people that just are pessimistic. I just hit about 50% of the people in here. Sorry, I love you. But man, I just, who wants to be around E or Christians? I mean, you get a bright, sunny day outside, here they go, well, it's too hot. Okay, so we, we move now from the, from the heat of summer to the winter. That's eh, too cold. Anything make you happy <laughs> in the midst of the holiness of God? Anything about his creation? Morally. August the 17th, 1996. I had a beer in my hand. God had just called me to himself. I began to work with the youth, and I was outside working in the yard, and it was hot. Never forget, Lisa just looked at me that in that moment. Here's the circumstances of, of the, my first point about the revelation, and she said these words to me, and I'll never forget it. What you going to do if one of your youth walked by? Let me just go and get this out of the way, because I'm tired of y'all saying this to me. A beer is not going to send you to hell. You're right. But it will destroy your testimony. 
What would it have been like had some youth come up and here's, here's their youth guy, Pastor Hank, man. They're drinking a beer when I've just told them they shouldn't do this kind of stuff. And yet here he is drinking one because it's hot. See, I could say, I, I don't drink all the time. I'm not an alcoholic. But what if one of those youth that I was ministering to said, well, Pastor Hank does it. Why can't I do it? And the next thing you know, they just go on down the line and are alcoholic and they end up with cirrhosis of the liver and they die an early death all because Pastor Hank had a beer in his hand and they walked up. You go on and drink your beer. Whose life are you going to affect? I've, been, I've sat in El Cazador, and I've saw preachers walk in and order beer and margaritas, and they'll look and they'll see me as if I'm their Holy Spirit, and they'll say, hey, I'm off the clock right now, Hank. You want to show me that in Scripture? Come, come on. If you're here today and you're so much smarter than me, show me in Scripture where it says Hank is ever or you are ever off the clock. I know some of you are going to go home, well, he's back on that drinking thing again today. How is it we get so stinking excited, I mean upset about some preacher talking about drinking? You know why? Because that's your idol. It's the thing you love the most. Let me remind you, God calls him to be preeminent in your life. And if you want to go Old Testament theology too, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Hang out with a bunch of dudes that look at pornography, guys. You'll end up looking at it. It'll affect you mentally. It'll put thoughts in your brain and your mind that you just cannot handle of what's right and what's wrong. And spiritually, what you'll do is you'll start, I'm hitting everything big today. You'll start making church not important. Well, you know, such and such wants to go fishing, so it's not going to hurt me to go fishing today. Yeah, but it might not hurt you today, but what about the 14th time in a row you've gone on a Sunday? I'm just going to say this. Why do you need to hunt on Sunday? I told you I was hitting them all. I don't know why you need to fish on Sunday. We can't give God one day one day to be in his house, to worship him. You know the reason? Because we got too many close friends that are pagans and backslidden. We love them more than we love the believers in a church. God said, get out from those people that will drag you down. And live upon people, among people that will help lift you up. You know, you know what he's trying to make sure he didn't do? Look at Genesis chapter 11.
I believe where Abraham lived, it was one of the results of this, this experience of Genesis chapter 11 that when they had gone out and they had settled out there because it all came from this. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as a people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said, come, let us, listen to all this, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth so i believe they cast them out and then they went off and they came up with their own religions and their own ways of living because god brought down judgment on them you just hold on to that okay what i just read you, you just hold on to that now in case you're sitting there you're going well preacher you're giving me all this old testament stuff about separation i'm not done yet 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I know some of y'all looking at the time. I'll get through. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Just for those that think, and it's all Old Testament theology about be ye separate. Paul writing to this pagan church says this in verse 17. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate. Says the Lord. There ought to be something different about your life than some unbeliever out there in the world. The problem is we listen to their same music, we watch their same shows, we watch their same movies, we drink their same alcohol, we smoke their same dope, we do all this, we act like them, we watch it, we do all the stuff out there, and then we say things like this. Well, you know, I just, I, I got to be where the lost people are, absolutely, but you don't got to live with them. I do know this about fishing, you got to fish where the fish are. I mean, I could go out, man, I could fill my bathtub full of water. I could just put in a line and a rod and reel right there. I am never going to catch no stinking fish in my bathtub. But now you take me to the James River, I know where some holes are, Ed. I'll catch about 125. You don't need to live there, though. You're to be different. There's that holiness thing again. That you're not living like the world, nor the pleasures. You know why? You know what this is a call to? When God, when God called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldeans, and when God calls you, here's the word, here's this church word, repentance. There must be changes in your life. See, what God was saying here to Abraham is this. Listen, here's what he was saying. He said, I want you to get out from a Genesis 11 person, which is self, listen to this, all you that want to be like the world, self-satisfying, self-glorifying, self-honoring life, and I want you to move to a life that is God-satisfying, God-glorifying, and God-honoring. That's repentance, when you get self out of the way. Our problem in our society today is we are narcissistic and selfish, and I'm talking about the church most of the time. We get mad over preferences. The Bible says this, old things have passed away. That's repentance. Let me give you the last one. Then he makes a declaration. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? I will make, if you'll go, 
to a land that I will show you. In other words, you don't get to choose. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. And then I'm going to bless the whole world. Hey, don't miss this. Everything that they wanted in Genesis chapter 11, trying to do on their own, God gave Abraham and Abram in chapter 12 when he let God do it. Don't miss that, y'all. Everything they wanted in Genesis 11, God gave to Abram. One old boy that was sold out to God, he gave it to him in Genesis 12. Not only did he give it to him, everything they wanted, he gave him more. They wanted the city. He said, I'm going to make you a great nation. They wanted this. He said, I'm going to bless all the world because of you. Everything they wanted, God gave it. Here's the two statements that he made. He's going to make him a great, give him a great name and make him a great nation, and all the earth will be blessed. And here's the connection. That's Jesus. So if you write in your Bibles right there, in the end of verse 3, when it says, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed, write the name Jesus right beside of it. Because that was the coming promised one. Your life can either be lived in Genesis 11 or 12. You can choose to try to do it yourself, and I promise you, you're going to end up in a place called hell. Or you can let God work in your life. He, will, he saved you. He sent his son because after the birth of Isaac that was promised at this point and came to fruition 25 years later at that, and then the multitudes of births, then all of a sudden, one night in a manger in a place called Bethlehem, there was the cry of another Jewish baby. Except this baby was fully God. And fully man. He was the one that the whole earth would be blessed through. Do you know him? Have you ever met him? Has he called you? Can I ask you this right now? Are you a Genesis 11 person or a Genesis 12 person? You live for yourself in the world or do you live for Almighty God? If you're Genesis 11, you have the chance today to become Genesis 12 by accepting this free gift of salvation right now. Thanks for listening to the Marian message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcva.com.